With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Good evening and welcome to the Coffee Clash. The Coffee Clash and Special Needs Talk Radio Network feature outstanding programming for the special needs community. Our team of hosts provide educational interviews. Our shows are not designed to provide listeners with specific or personal medical, legal, or professional service or advice. Parents of children with health issues should always consult their health care provider for medical advice, medications, or treatment. Any show discussing rights and law for special needs children and special education are presented as general information and not legal advice. Special Needs Coffee Clash Limited does not promote any host or guest individual practice, programs, treatments, or products. We thank you for joining us and are proud to provide excellence in broadcasting for the special needs community. And now, on to the interview. Good evening, everyone. This is Marianne Russo, and I want to thank you for joining us. Tonight, we will be taking your calls. Um, Our guest is Amalia Starr, and if you would like to call in and speak with Amalia, the call-in number is 646-595-2881, and we'll be taking callers towards the end of the interview. Um, Amalia Starr is an author, advocate, national speaker. She was a host of Autism As They Grow here on the Coffee Clatch Network. You can listen to all her interviews in archive. And um, her latest book um, is I Have Autism, What Will I Do Without You, Mom? How to Prepare for When Your Special Needs Child Outlives You. And it is a fantastic book, and it really um, answers the two most frequently asked questions by special needs parents. And, you know, the book, I I think, is geared towards um, autism, but really parents who have children that have mental illness or, you know, significant developmental delays. I mean, this is is an important interview for everyone. Um, so we're going to talk about these two questions. The first one is, what will happen to my child when he or she is an adult? You know, what will happen to my child after my husband and I are no longer here? It's the question that haunts every special needs parent. And independence is one of the most important and difficult steps a parent and child will face because 75% of um, the child's life is as an adult. So I am very happy to introduce you to Amalia Starr. How are you, Amalia? I'm doing well. Thank you. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. We're always busy. <laughs> um, you know, this is such this is such an important show because it's such a sensitive um, topic. It's you know, I, I think every parent thinks it at least once a day. Um, you know, I think that parents that have neurotypical children think it, and parents like us that have special needs children, it just you know creates the palpitations that you can't make stop. So it's a very hard discussion to have, and I'm glad we're having it. Um, so why don't you tell us a little bit about you and what you do, and then we're going to go into it. We're going to talk about the mindset, um, different settings, and what parents need to do to you know create the independent life for their kids. Well, thank you. Yes, uh, when you talk about independence 
and you talk about the future after the parents are gone, those are two of the most difficult things to discuss. And yet, and people, most people don't really want to face it and they don't want to talk about it and they think it might just go away or they hope it would go away, but it doesn't. And it catches many of us in the what to do, oh my God, syndrome. And it becomes, as the children grow older, it becomes more difficult to get this, get back on, or to get on this path and to find your way. So whatever your child age is today, it's never too early to get started. Uh, I am an author and a speaker, and I absolutely love what I do. And I'm just grateful to be able to go out and to talk to families and parents and professionals because we're all in this together. And the more we can get on board, the more the better off our children are. And Absolutely. So, yeah, it, it's just very, very tough to talk about it. It was hard for me, and so I, I know that, and I don't push my clients. I have a private um, – I have clients that I discuss, we discuss all about independence, and every child is so different. We can't take – we don't have anything that's a set rule because we can't do that. And any parent who knows, who has a special needs child knows, or any child for that matter, that every child's different. And even though people say, well, he has autism, he must be like this, or she must be like this, we know that's not the truth. The truth is every child is an individual. So how we find independence for one child will not be the same way we find for another child. So it's very individualized, it's very personalized, and it's very important that we listen to our children and we allow them to lead the way. I used to think it was, it was my duty as Brandon's mom to lead the way for him. And then I realized once I started listening to him, it really fell into place because he knew what he wanted. I knew what I thought I wanted, but it's not about me. And once I could take myself out of the equation and say, okay, all right, Brandon, uh, we're going to focus on what you want because that's that's what's going to work. And right, we and you know, I... Him. No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, and that's it. We just we tailored it to him, to his needs, wants, desires, and what he was capable of doing. And that is so important that we listen to our children and that we be optimistic by being, you know, realistic. And that's a balance. That's something like, you know, the scales. Just you have to have those both together, and then you can move forward. And I think also, you know, you have to look at the mindset, you know, of the parents because, you know, I, I think that you, you know, it's the parents' mindset of do you believe your child can be independent? And, you know, there's so much preparing. I mean, parents are always thinking, you know, who will take care of the child if something happens to me? What type of, you know, financial um, arrangements will have to be made? Um, you know, what are, are the options? Um, but I think that parents, um, you know, especially children that, that have significant um you know developmental delays just feel that their child really can never be independent so you know how does the parent sort of change their mindset so that they can move in this direction if it's possible i mean i would imagine that in many cases it's not possible not all children are going to be able to live independently right but independence for me or for our children i like to think of it as being respectful with to the child 
In other words, independence doesn't have to mean you live in your own home or you live with a relative or, I mean, there are so many options or you live possibly in over the garage where your parents mm-hmm. live, you know, in a little home over the garage. Um, there's all kinds of ways. And, yes, the fact that when children are more severe and they have many more issues and many more challenges, yes, we have to open up our minds more to visualize something that's very different. And so independence is, for me, is to give them the most freedom the child can have. And like I say, it will look very different for each individual. But to get a parent to even consider any type of independence is a challenge in itself. And the reason being is that when you think about raising a child with special needs, that we are, we're stuck like glue. And the reason being that we're always, we're almost always together. And we spend right. much longer periods of time or years with these children they're not, than neurotypical children or your typical child who moves out and moves on, possibly. Not all do, but majority do. And with our autistic children, that is not the case in, in most cases. So we have to look at it a little bit differently. And, and the key to all of this is focusing not on the children, but focusing on the family, the parents. Because if the parents, they need to have the courage and the understanding and the wherewithal and the tools to let go at a time, in a timely manner. And that way, they'll be able, the child will go. Because in many cases that I see, the children are able to go, but the parents won't allow it because they're too fearful, and rightly so. Right. You know, and that's the thing. You know, it's not, we can't be naive and think, you know, um, that, you know, the the children are going to outgrow it or that they're just going to be able to go and live independently and not need a lot more support. Um, But, you know, I think that also, you know, parents, let's put it this way, when you think at night, who's going? What's going to happen to my child? Most parents focus on who is going to take care of them. How are they going to support themselves? Instead of thinking about how are they? It's almost an extension of a least restrictive um, environment. Um, you know, how are they going to be able to find some type of employment, fit into the community? So, you know, there are a lot of things that parents need to think about other than, you know, guardianship and things like that. So how can parents begin to foster independence in their children, especially those on the spectrum? Um, You know, and do they do this from a young age? You know, how do you even begin to do that? Well, what happens, yes, a young age would be great, but that doesn't usually take place. Reason being is that once you find the diagnosis and then, you're, you're, you're just trying to find modalities to help your child, therapies, whatever works, or with what school, and you have so much going on that focusing on the future is important, but in most cases doesn't happen. So with that said, as they get, that's why I promote this so much, because anytime somebody can just, uh, just a little bit, it doesn't have to, you know, maybe you know, read a chapter in my book or something and just do like an hour a month. Just know that there is a direction. There, the most one of the most important steps you'll ever do is is this part is the independence. And so, it although it's the scariest, possibly one of the scariest things you'll ever do, it's they go hand in hand, and it will be something that you will come up against, um, no matter whether you deal with it or not. It's going to be there. 
So that's what I'm saying. If they can do it when the child is young and just read a little here or go online and read something about it or look into possibilities where a child could live or if they have, you know, an aunt who's stepping up to the plate who says, oh, I'll take your child or you talk about it. It's being able to talk about it and even that is so sensitive and so difficult to do. And I honor that. I understand that. So when a parent is ready, then whatever age of the, the child is, we can then talk about it and set up a program for, your, for a child as to which way this child is going to go. I mean, maybe a child likes to do – one woman, one parent told me um, in her basement she, she created um, a work environment. She has several autistic children who are making buttons. She has a button machine, and the kids love it. And they feel so great about doing something positive. So this is just one avenue that is working for several children. And so it has to, we just need to be creative, think outside the box, and consider the child we're dealing with. I mean, not you know, I, button making is not for everybody. Yeah, but, you know, I think a lot of it has to do with, um, you know, even from a young age, you have to always look at your expectations and set attainable goals. Um, and, you know, that's something I see all the time. And I think that as these children start to, um, you know, grow out of the system, um, you know, there's that fine line. You know, are you pushing the child too hard and maybe, um, you know, pushing them into a field or some type of a vocation that they're just really not going to be able to function in? Or are you just enabling dependence? So I, I think there's a fine line, and parents often don't know, you know, how, what to do. I mean, do you push these kids? Do you, how do you direct them, or do you just let them lead you? Well, that's a great question. It, what I have seen, especially as of late, you can push your ch- children, you know, that have special needs or autism. Um, you can push them. You can try, and you can see the result. And what you need to do is just keep your eyes open. It's not the result we want. It's the result that they can handle, do, or want for themselves. They will show you the way, but they can only show you the way when you can back up a little bit and stop pushing. I've seen many families or parents push, and they push really hard because those are their dreams, their own personal dreams and aspirations. It is not the child. And when I can point that out to them and to separate their desires and wants and needs from the child's abilities and, you know, limitations, then it changes everything. And that's just being realistic but also being optimistic. I'm not here to say your child can't do something because I am the first person to tell you, you don't listen to anybody who tells you when your child can't do something because nobody oh, knows about the future. And so I don't want to say that to anybody. I just want to, I want to just direct them maybe a little to the right or the left and, you know, just show them that this is a path like my son Brandon. I mean, I was told by all the professionals that worked with Brandon that he'd never be able to live alone. And that wasn't the case, you know. He's lived alone for 17 years in his own apartment. And I'm not saying your, your child should go live in a private apartment, your own apartment, but there are ways that these children can make it out into the world and cannot only, you know, they, be okay. They can thrive, many of them. And they can be, they're real, it's really important that they get into society because most of our children are, 
really wonderful human beings. It's well, not that's all the of thing. Them. All- yeah, I mean, that's yeah. the thing. I mean, most of these children you will find um, are twice exceptional, and they grow into adults that are twice exceptional, meaning that they have significant deficits and they have very unique abilities. And uncovering unique abilities and talents is very, very important. And, you know, it's important because not only can it lead to some form of employment and independence, but it also leads to them fitting into some type of uh, um, community. Um, so, you know, I, I think that's the first step that every every parent should be taking. And, you know, I think what you, you just said is very true. Um, you know, as with your, your son, um, Brandon, you know, he had significant challenges, but he was able to not only fit in but be embraced um, by a community. And, you know, that's where, you know, you write about in your book um, learning to let go in a timely manner um, because it's, it's, it's just more than one piece of the puzzle. Exactly. And, and I'll tell you something, Marianne, uh, about five or six years ago, it really started to haunt me of, oh, my goodness, what will happen to Brandon when I pass away, when I'm no longer here? What will happen to him? And I, I couldn't sleep for months, and that's why I wrote this book. It's because I wanted to make sure that when I'm no longer here, that people know, even though Brandon has been able to live alone, he was able to live alone for 17 years, he still, most people didn't understand him, and he couldn't explain himself clearly most of the time, but he still, and he had grand mal seizures, but he still was able to live alone. And that's why I wrote this book, because I was scared, and I was, and this book to me is, I, I love it, and because of that, because it, it will be helpful, even if you don't want to fill out the blank spaces and even if you don't want to do anything with it, read one page. Read one page a month, you know, read one page a day, a week, whatever. It'll just give you some positive input. You see, no one knows what the future brings. Nobody. And I was never more surprised in my whole life because uh, 16 months ago, a month after my book came out, my son Brandon, suddenly and unexpectedly, he passed away in his sleep. Needless to say, it was the biggest shock and the saddest day of my life. And losing a child is tragic. But I will say what helped me to grieve freely and, and to heal is that I have no regrets when it comes to Brandon. So, you know, when you're a parent of a special needs child that you bond, your bond is much closer for a longer period of time. I talked about that. But, and we're all usually stuck like glue. So that helping our children reach independence is so very important. I learned it's crucial to do what you can, um, all you, to do all you can, actually, while you can. Yeah, and that you know, is and, so and- important. I mean, we've spoken since, um, you know, Brandon's passing, and I, too, um, lost a son. And, you know, no parent is supposed to um, outlive a child. So, um, you know, it's a pain that is is just immeasurable. Um, But what remains is that, 
you know, Brandon was able to live independently and have a really incredible life. You know, I hope people can go back and listen to our, um, I think we we did one or two interviews before you even started hosting on here. Um, you know, and you spoke about the life and you spoke about how he was so embraced um, by the, the community. And, um, you know, I think that what parents need to sort of think about is, you know, sort of visualize in their mind different types of independent living settings because as you said it it doesn't necessarily mean having their own apartment um you know it could mean living in the basement it could mean having a little renting a room down the block you know it it doesn't mean you just you know setting them free so why don't we talk a little bit about that you know what types of what types of independent living settings because i think that the fear in parents minds i know for a fact the fear in parents minds because i hear it from parents all the time is that you know their child is going to wind up um you know in long term type of a facility or some type of um you know group home that is you know less than they've desired and the fear is just overwhelming and that's the big elephant in the room right now you know that four letter word fear you know that's what right. really holds everything back and um you know we have every reason to have fear but the reality is the fear isn't helping us accomplish anything so you know other than right living on their own, um, which Brandon was able to do um, very well. Um, what other what other types of settings could you visualize for these kids? Right. Well, okay, there there are, as I see, there are a lot of families that are creating their own, whether that is um, one gal, I mean, she's using her grandmother's home. Her grandmother passed away. They're using the home. They're converting that into a place where her son and two other people can live. And they will have, you know, in-house care to a certain point. I'm not exactly sure what they're going to have because every child's different. But it's being able to create something that will work. And, yes, you do have to think outside the box. And, yes, you do have to, besides that, um, there aren't that many facilities at this time for our children. No, and in the next, not. you know, they're not. And over the next decade, hundreds of thousands of our artistic children will reach adulthood. So we really, you know, time is, uh, is um, it's of the essence right now that we have to do things that are creative. And that's what we talk about. So when, you, when you're, you're an individual, you know, with parents, and so is your child. And so, you know, to sit down and really think what might work. What does your child like to do? Um, sometimes even with the working situation, that will bring around um, a, a living situation. Sometimes you can put them together. Sometimes uh, we don't even know what our children can do. When Brandon went to live on his own, he, um, he worked in a retail store, and he actually liked it, but he had um, too many seizures, epileptic seizures, so they had to... Um, They had to let him go, and he was unable to do that type of work anymore. But what he did is he found a way on the Third Street Promenade, which is um, a a place where they have all kinds of shops. He was able to create um, his own job and help the merchants who had carts. And, you know, when they wanted to take a break, he would stand in for them. Or if they needed something to eat or drink, he'd go get it for him. Them and that's what he was doing. So when he was well, he was able to do that when he wasn't having a grandma seizure. And I will say that I am absolutely shocked at his ability to 
um, a, a few more. I want to go back this for just a moment if we can because it's important. The, the reason I come on these shows is not really to, you know, I don't want to say that my life is bad. I'm, well, it is bad, and of course I miss my son. But he wouldn't want it that way. I could hear Brandon say, Mom, don't cry. Tell him how great I did. And that's the point, that you never know how great they're going to do unless we give them the opportunity to try. And a week after Brandon passed away, they did a memorial in Brandon's honor on the Third Street Promenade where Brandon worked and very close to where he lived. And who, who attended this were hundreds of people who were Brandon's friends. And so here's a young man growing up who could never make a friend. And when, after, you know, after he had passed away, I found out, I knew he had a secret world, and I found out the depths of it and how many friends from, you know, first responders to merchants to people of all walks of life. Our children are, it is so important that we get our children out there. So getting back to your question of how do we do this, we take the individual, we sit down, we make a list. What is, it? what is my son like? What is my daughter like? What can she not tolerate? What can she not stand? She can't live over here because it's too noisy. What is it? Make your list and make your list and figure it out, and it'll change. And that's fine. And as your child gets older, maybe he or she can tolerate this, or maybe he or she has a better direction. But I promise you, in most cases, not all, that is for sure, in a, most cases, these children will lead the way. When you can get your out, yourself out of the way and your expectations out of the way or how your child's world is going to look at the end or, you know, as he gets or she gets to be independent, when you can move that out of the way, you'll be free and clear to see truly what your child is capable of doing and not doing and how you can set it up. And that will help you tremendously. And independence doesn't even mean the child can't, you know, <clears throat> remain in the home or remain with other, you know, relatives. Because even if they're not working, um, you know, and don't have the ability to work, um, you know, just making sure that they are not being isolated, um, you know, that they're having, you know, relationships and that they're, you know, that they're growing in some way is so important. And, you know, one of the other things that <clears throat> crossed my mind I don't know if you've seen the film. I, I loved it. Um, Autism in Love. Um, it was an exceptional film um, about the ability of um, people on the spectrum to have romantic, true love relationships. And it featured mm-hmm. three different um, relationships, all very, very different. But in one of the relationships, um, when the man lost his wife, it was almost like he didn't have an understanding um, he didn't have an understanding of real loss. So for him, he could no longer, like he didn't love her anymore because she was gone. Um, and there was just, you could tell there was just such a divide in the, the real understanding of what passing on means. So, you know, how does a parent or can a parent prepare a child for their loss? I mean, I'm not saying at a time when they're young, but, you know, if they're sick, if, you know, if it's inevitable. Um, do, you, do you find that that's difficult for a lot of children or young adults on the spectrum to understand the loss of a parent? Yes, I think it's hard for them to understand a loss of anyone close to them or even when they're working with an aide or someone and the aide is gone, it's no longer there because he or she has moved. Any type of disruption or loss, it's 
it's not even that they can't do it, and they do understand it, and they do get it. But here's the, here's what I see it as: they their reaction is very different, which means there may be no reaction. Right. But that doesn't mean they don't feel it. You see, right. and so the fact is, the, they do have empathy. They're very empathetic, even though uh, I was once told that Brandon had no empathy. By this woman said she, he's not empathetic. How great! He has no feelings. That means he doesn't feel anything. How lucky for him! How ridiculous! And I just looked right. at exactly, and I looked at her and I said, "That couldn't be any. Mm. That is that. That's ridiculous." And I said exactly what you said. It's ridiculous. My son has feelings. He may not show them the exact way you do. But that's the whole point here. If we can give these kids that extra, you know, minute, our children, if other people can just give them that extra minute to to respond and they can say to them, you know, and, and look at them and say, wow, he does that so differently. And instead of in disgust and maybe in dismay or, you know, just say, wow, that's kind of cool. I mean, I remember right. Brandon, I'm, you know, and that's really important to look at it in that way. I remember, I, I believe Brandon actually came on um, one of the shows, or I, I'm pretty sure. I'd have to go back and listen. But he was so proud of himself. I think you were starting some type of an, um, <laughs> you were starting s- some type of a not-for-profit with him or something. I don't remember it exactly. But right. he was so proud of his life. He was so proud of the relationships um, that he had. And, you know, I think that a lot of people feel that a lot that these children and young adults don't have empathy. I think they feel things so much deeper. Um, it's just the way they express it, um, you exactly. know, that, that's, very, that's very different. Um, but, you know, you look at, at somebody and you say, you know, there was a tragedy and um, unfortunately, you know, his, his life ended early. But when you think of the opportunity that he had, and it's 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 not only important that you give them that opportunity, but it's so important that you don't let the fear overwhelm you so that you don't plan for them to be independent. And you also can't go the other way. You know, you can't – you may have a very, very bright kid, um, you know, who could go to, you know, medical school or law school, but, you know, are they going to be able to practice in that industry? So it's really, I think, important right. to really take a measure of the pros and the cons for these uh, – you know, it's very unique population. Very unique and very special. And our society needs them desperately. And I, I'm telling you, I could just see the difference that Brandon made in people's lives. And for me, that said it all. And that's why I go out there and I like to spread hope because we don't have enough of that in this community. And the hope is, yeah, we can't be. We just can't drop our child off at a, on a corner and say we'll see you in a week or two. But we make plans, and we we're flexible, and we change our plans, and then we you know we help our children as much as we can, and we also know when to back up and to empower them instead of to enable them. And that's the, you know it's a dance that you will learn in time. But the fact that you can get your mindset in that and know that there is hope out there. And um, there was a, 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 um, a video done at Brandon's Memorial that I think is sensational. And, and I love showing that when I go out to speak. And I, it's on autismindependenceproject.org. And he, is proud, he was proud of himself. And you know what, um, Marianne? He accomplished um, everything he wanted to, which was to live independently and enjoy his life. And that's quite special and and I think about that every day 
and yeah. it just is a wonderful story. You know, yes, he was he died way too soon, but it's a wonderful story. It really is. It really, it's, a, it's, a, it's a story really of triumph for the two of you. Um, you know, when I last interviewed you, um, you know, I always sort of take these snippets of really beautiful quotes from um, some of my guests and put them um, on our website. And yours actually was, was one of the most beautiful, and I have it up. It's actually on the scroll. Um, and and you, you said, move into the fear, not away from it, and watch it dissipate. So could you just yeah. expand upon that a little bit? Yeah, uh, it, you know, it we're always, if you're fearful and you're just, it's like a rubber band. When you pull on it, it's just like, oh, my God, it's going to, eventually it's just going to pop, break, or it's going to fly. You know, I think we've all had something like that. But when you lean into or you let go of the rubber band, it's no longer stretched. It's not taut. It's not any of that. And it's, you move into it. In other words, instead of be fearful, you know, I have a better one, not even a better one, I have one to add to it. And this is about courage. And it's courage comes when you realize that something is more important than your own fears. Yes. That's like, really, that to me spoke to me. And so it's, I realized to allow my son to live alone by himself, uh, and I, I was the only person making the decision because Brandon's father had passed away, it takes courage. It takes so much courage. It takes so much strength. It takes so much. It, it does. It takes everything you have. And that's why when we just talked about, you know, leaning into your, to your, to your fears, is that instead of, you know, staying up all, which I did, I stayed up many nights wondering if he was okay because he was living alone. But when I was realized, when I was able to realize to let go of it, and be able to say. I have to trust. He's already doing it. And I don't mm-hmm. want to be, I have to be smart about everything. And that's when I was able to lean into it. And that's what that means for me. Well, Milo, where can everyone find you? Um, you know, I know you do speaking and you do private consultations. So where? what is your website? Where can people get to you? Okay. I have two. And one is uh, uh, my name, Amalia Starr. And it's uh, MaliaStar.com. Should do you want me to spell that or? Sure. Are you have, okay? A M A L I A S T A R R dot com, and that tells you more about me, what I do, and my books and my speaking. And also, you can leave me a message there. Uh, I am very good about returning emails. I'm pretty busy gal, but never too busy for another parent who has a question. So if you want to send it to me, I'm happy to get back to you. And also I talked about the Autism Independent, E-N-C-E, project.org. And that's where Brandon's video is up. And um, I think it's really, well, of course, I'm his mother, but I still think it's quite a special video. And Mm -hmm. I'm extremely grateful to have it and be able to show it to other families. Yeah, I've seen it. It really is very touching, very poignant. Well, thank you for joining me, Amalia. I really appreciate it, and I think you're going to help a lot of parents. Thank you so much. It's something I just love to do. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. We're we're lucky to have you. I just want to let the listeners know um, my two upcoming guests. I am thrilled. I have Dr. Robert Melillo coming on. He is the... um, 
the author of The Disconnected Kids Nutrition Plan. He talks about proven strategies to enhance learning and focus for children with autism, ADHD, dyslexia, and other neurobiological dis- uh, neurological disorders. Um, it's based on his wildly popular Brain Balance Program, which you probably see all over the inter- Internet. And he is coming up. And Carol Kranowitz, who I this is my fourth interview with her. I am thrilled. You know her as the author of The Out of Sync Child, and she has written and is coming out next week, The Out of Sync Child Grows Up, Coping with Sensory Processing Disorder in the Adolescent and Young Adult Years. It is unbelievable. So I will have them coming on, and I thank you for joining me. As I end each show, you are your child's best advocate. If not you, then who? Become an informed, educated parent with us here on The Coffee Clutch. Thank you for joining us. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 